Today we're looking at Colossians chapter 1. If you want to get your Bibles, we'll refer to that just here in a minute. But chapter 1, verse 24. But let me uh, introduce you to our subject matter today. Marveling at Jesus. Marveling at Jesus leads us to maturing in Jesus. Marveling at Jesus leads us to maturing at Jesus. January 2nd of this year, Monday football. There was a game in Cincinnati, Ohio, where the Bengals were playing the Buffalo Bills. Whether you're a sports fan or not, you've probably either saw the game or watched the videos of it. When DeMar Hamlin, their 24-year-old safety of the Buffalo Bills, made a, a hard-hitting tackle, got up, and then collapsed on the field with a cardiac arrest. Of course, the medical teams rushed his side, started applying life-saving treatment for him. The players from both sides, we have a picture of that, the players of both teams huddled up around DeMar and the team working on him. They, they knelt in prayer around him. The stadium fell silent. The tens of thousands of people just fell silent, and the sportscasters were asking everyone to pray. We live just north of Cincinnati, about 45 minutes in Dayton, Ohio, and the billboards all along the interstates for the next several days were lit up saying, pray for DeMar. On ESPN live broadcast, you may have seen that, the three broadcasters there uh, giving their uh, analogy of, of football. And right in the middle of it all, one of them said, we're going to stop and I'm going to pray for DeMar. And he bowed his head and closed his eyes. They all three did. And this young man prayed for DeMar. And I'm not talking about a prayer that just simply says, now I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about he got a hold of God on behalf of DeMar, praying for his healing and praying for his safety. What was going on? Suddenly in this crisis, it was okay to pray. It was okay to call for national prayer. It was okay to pray in this tragic situation. And there was a young man who needed only what God could provide. And the focus was on praying for this man, young man's needs. Well, the scripture passage of scripture today focuses on that same Lord, that same God, that same Jesus Christ, who is able not only to save us, but to mature us and lead us to this place where we are maturing in him, in Christ. And that's the focus of this passage of scripture. And I want to I read that to us today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. It says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mercy, which is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature, perfect in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend, struggling, laboring with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This verse, these verses, speak of a mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations. And now it is being made public. It's, it's coming alive into the eyes and hearts of that generation and generations to come. What was once covered and unknown is now uncovered and it is made known. It's a mystery being uncovered as the Apostle Paul states it here. And it's made known. The mystery is this. Are you ready? Are you ready for that mystery to be uncovered? Here it is. Are you ready? Come on now, talk to me. Amen. Are you ready? Here it is. Verse 27. Verse 27 says, Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. He's the hope of glory, hope for the future, hope for this world and the world to come. He he is the hope of glory. Can you imagine? Here's this passage of scripture that's telling us that Christ is in us. He lives in you. He lives in me. He is the hope of glory. He is the hope of glory. And Paul's mission is through his words to keep pointing God's people, the church, to Jesus. It also lets us see what it looks like to live life on mission. To live life on mission by seeing others for, and forcing others to, to know Christ and mature in Him. Not only that we know Christ and that we are maturing in Him, but that others would come to know Christ and also mature in Jesus Christ. So how does all that happen? How is all that accomplished? Well, first thought here today is that we stay focused, that we stay focused. Verse 27 again, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. I hope you catch that. I hope you get that down deep inside of you. Jesus Christ, by his spirit, lives in you today. He lives in me. We're not just some far off distant being that we get spoken to every once in a while by the Lord, but no, we have this relationship with Jesus and he lives in you. I know that may be hard for you to grasp today, but Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, he lives in you. He lives in you, and we stand in awe that we marvel at that. We marvel at that, and we have to remain, have this sense of awe, being awestruck by that fact, and we retain this sense of marvel to think that Jesus lives in me. Don't lose that marvel. Don't lose being awestruck by that fact. In the midst of doing life, I'm afraid that it's so easy for us to become distracted, isn't it? We get distracted by screens, we get distracted by our kids, we get distracted by our jobs and the stuff of life that happens, 
and we get distracted. But the Christ in you, the Christ in you, the hope of glory has been made known to all people, these verses tell us. And we must retain this sense and this place of of marvel in us, a place where we respect him and we cherish him and we honor him. And we believe that he is not only able to save us, but he's also able to give us a place, a a role in this world and and a platform in this world where we can begin to tell the story of Jesus that changes the lives of people around us. If you're a movie buff, you know the story of Steve McQueen. Does that name ring a bell with any of you, Steve McQueen? <laughs> well, in the, in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s, he was a movie star, uh, matched by very few others. And uh, Steve McQueen starred in a number of movies, one of which was Bullet. Bullet was one of his more famous ones in which that, that movie, he, he did this car chase scene. He was driving a 1968 Ford GT Mustang fastback, and it took up about 10 minutes of that movie. It, it set the bar high for all other car chases and all movies to come. Uh, Steve McQueen was known as the king of cool, and he was cool driving uh, 120 miles an hour down those streets. And, and, and we, we, we discovered that Steve McQueen, uh, even though he was a movie star, yet he had this need in his life that could only be satisfied by the one that we're talking about today, and that's Jesus. Steve McQueen came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. He accepted Christ as his Savior. In those days, he had this great respect for Dr. Billy Graham. And he asked the right people if there would happen to be an opportunity for them to connect, he and Mr. Graham. So there was a flight connection in L.A. And they made the arrangements where they could connect. And Billy Graham sat with Steve McQueen for over an hour, and they talked about his his new faith in Jesus Christ. And Steve McQueen expressed to Billy Graham his struggles with how God could forgive a guy like Steve McQueen with such a a checkered past and and forgive him of all of that stuff and save him and give him eternal life. How How could God do that? Well, Mr. Graham explained to him many verses of Scripture, one of which was Titus 1 verse 2, where it says, We have the hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. Let me read that to you again. We have the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. The Holy Spirit took that passage of Scripture, that verse of Scripture, and and touched the heart of Steve McQueen, and he held it dear in his heart and mind to think that God would forgive him Steve McQueen, with all this junk in his past, and and give him eternal life. And he promised that to all who would believe ages ago. And he said to Mr. Graham, I I wish I had my Bible with me. I'd like to underline that verse so I'll never forget it. And and Mr. Graham said, well, here, I'll just give you my Bible. So Billy Graham gave McQueen his Bible. Fast forward a little while, and McQueen learned that he had, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. 
He went to Mexico for some experimental treatments for that cancer. But in 1980, at age 50, Steve McQueen drew his last breath on this earth. And as they pulled the sheet back from Steve McQueen's body, they found that he was clutching the Bible that Graham had given to him. And that verse was underlined, that verse that was so special to McQueen, Titus 1-2, that held his focus so intently, was there. And Titus 2-1-2 says, the hope of eternal life is given to us through Jesus, that God promised to us, who does not lie, promised to us ages ago. What what Steve McQueen found, we also need to find and focus on the fact that Jesus Christ is our hope. Stay focused. Never lose that sense of marvel at Jesus, for it leads us to maturing in Jesus. Stay focused. Never lose that sense of marvel and that sense of awe at the mystery which is Christ in you. I'm fearful today that too many of us have reached a place in our walk where we are more concerned about our comfort with our church experience or our faith experience that we forget where we once were without hope, lost our way, we had given up, and then Jesus. The old song says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, praise God for the fact that we have a Savior who brings us to a place in our lostness to where we experience Jesus in a saving grace and he gives us life eternal and now we begin this journey of maturing in Jesus as we stay focused on him. So never lose that. Never give it up. Never lose that sense of awe and that sense of wonder and that sense of marvel, that astonishment of what Jesus has done and is still doing in your life. It brings us to the second thought today. Not only stay focused, but keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. In verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, He is the one we proclaim, or we proclaim Him. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. In Christ. We proclaim him. We keep telling the story. God is calling each of us to keep telling the story of this this marvelous Jesus who is able to save us and mature us in him. He's calling you and me to keep telling the story. And I read on in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, or how much I am contending for you and those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally, 
My goal or my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Just a little commentary here. The world is full of Google theologians and Facebook prophets. You wear that, aren't you? <laughs> You've read some of them. But don't believe all that you read or, or, or see or hear. Test it by God's word with good friends. Pray over it. Pray over it and let the Holy Spirit lead you and make sure that it's truth. You see, lies can sound really reasonable, but they're still lies. So test it with the word of God. And he goes on to say, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined or orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Keep telling the story. Everyone tells a story about themselves inside our own heads. Good or bad, we keep telling a story to ourselves about us, good or bad. That's why we say, keep talking to yourself more than you listen to yourself. If you listen to yourself, you're going to hear messages that you're no good, you don't deserve this, God hasn't forgiven you, you can't be a child of God. You need to keep telling yourself, you need to keep telling, you're talking to yourself, preaching to yourself the Word of God and what it says about you. Every one of us tells this story to ourselves, good or bad, and that story makes you to a large degree, what you are, and we build ourselves out of that story. Keep telling your story to yourself of the amazing grace of God, how he set you free and how he's, he's brought life into you. Keep telling yourself that story. Stay focused. Keep telling the story that leads you to maturing, but also it helps others to hear that same message, how God has set you free. It is Christ who defines you and gives us, all of us, our distinctive roles and places in our world. It is Christ who works powerfully in you and through you. As Paul mentions here, even in our suffering and struggles. Anybody here ever have some suffering and struggles? Sure, we all have those from time to time. But even in those places... It all has its purpose to take us beyond ourselves to a place where Christ is seen even in the midst of all those hard times and difficult moments. Christ is seen maybe more there than ever in any other situation. Christ is seen in us. Paul said it in chapter 2, verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, encouraged 
in heart. The word encouraged means to call alongside. Could be seen in the paraclete in the New Testament, who is the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside of us to help us in our time of need. It has the meaning of coming alongside to help us through difficult moments. And that's what the paraclete does. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us in our time of difficulty, our time of discouragement, to pour courage back into us and bring encouragement to us. Do I have any DIYers here this morning? <laughs> My wife and I are DIYers. We, we like to do stuff ourselves do it ourselves around the house. We bought a home about eight years ago and the basement was unfinished. And so we decided we're going to finish the basement. So we took about a year and a half to frame it out, wire it, plummet, all that kind of stuff, get it ready for drywall sheetrock. And we were so pooped out and exhausted that I had just said, you know what? I am done. I can't do this anymore. At my age, I, I just can't do it. We're just going to have to leave it unfinished. But we talked about it, and we decided, you know what? We're going to hire somebody to do this sheetrock, this drywall stuff. So we got a hold of a company. They brought all the materials in, got it in our house, down the steps. Praise God from whom all blessings flow for young backs. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. And then they hung it. They put it on the walls and ceilings. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then they finished it. Oh, man. I was on cloud nine when I saw the finish go on it. And then we took it back and we finished. We painted and finished it out. It looks beautiful to this day. And, and you know what happened? You, you know where I'm going with the story. We were so discouraged. We were ready to quit. But these people, this team of sheetrockers, they came in and poured courage back into us by coming alongside of us. And we were able to finish the task, the job set before us. And that's the same thought behind this encouragement in heart that God is able to come to us in the hard stuff of life. Maybe it's through his spirit, through his word, through a friend, through somebody who is able to pour courage back into you and you're able to move through that tough time to, to better days and get through the tough seasons of life, encouraged in heart. But also, he says, and united in love. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Do whatever it takes to be united in love. The ultimate goal is to present us mature in Christ. The, the word united here is a, a, has a medical metaphor that means to be knit together. Knit together. To bring it into modern day, it has maybe the picture of a surgeon who opens a person up does the surgery, completes the surgery, and then brings the two back together and stitches them together so that they heal up as one, knit together, as, and it becomes one again. You see, as the body of Christ, we are to come to this place of mature, to the place where we desire 
whatever's needed to keep us loving each other, not divided, not separated, but knit together, united in love as one. And so that was Paul's purpose, goal, to keep bringing this message of encouragement in heart and united in love. In fact, John 13 tells us that that unity tells the story of Jesus. Keep telling the story. That unity keeps telling the story. John 13 verse 34 says, By your love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Keep running with that goal, that purpose in mind. Keep running with that marveling at Jesus, leading you to maturity, staying focused, Keep telling the story. Keep running with that purpose. Eric Lindell, we have a picture of him who is a Scottish sprinter who gained world fame in the 1924 Olympics. Uh, He was the son of missionaries. And of course, they had a strong faith. But Lindell's faith was strong as well. Lindell was a sprinter, a specialty of the 100 meter, and he was predicted to win that. Uh, That was his strong suit, and he was known as the Flying Scotsman, and yet that event was to be held on Sunday in 1924, and Lindell said, I won't participate if it's going to be held on Sunday. He held his ground. He was criticized vocally and publicly, but he held his ground. Instead, he signed up for the 400 meter, which was going to be run on another day, and he won gold. He won gold in that event, that race. And he said, talking about his run and not running on Sunday, he said this, since I have been a young lad, I have had my eyes on a different prize. You see, each one of us is in a greater race than any I have run in Paris. And this race ends when God gives out the medals. Lendl kept his eyes on a greater prize. And he stuck to his convictions. And he said, I'm going to do what I believe God wants me to do. And God honored him. And that in 1981, the movie Chariots of Fire was produced after Lendl's life. And there was a famous quote in that movie that uh, Eric said. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When you run the race of life, do you feel God's pleasure? When you make decisions for your life, are you sensing God's pleasure in the decision that you make? At first, you make your decisions, and in the end, your decisions make you. Do you feel God's pleasure in the running of life for his purpose and his goal for you? Verse 2 of chapter 2, again, Paul said, my goal is this. What is your God-given purpose? What is your God-given purpose? We all have one, young or old, 
anywhere in between, we all have a purpose. And when we leave that God-given purpose, we get lost and confused and frustrated. And to be honest, while living out what we believe to be God's purpose for us, there will be seasons of confusion and frustration. But by allowing the Lord to redeem that season in our journey, we can come alive to the story once again that we were made for as we stay focused and we keep telling the story. God has a way of bringing us through that season of, of disappointment or frustration or confusion to this place of once again living out the story God has for us. Psalm 23, you know it says, the Lord is my shepherd. But it goes on to say, he restores my soul, which literally means he will return my breath to me. He restores my soul. He will return my breath to me. In the book, Your Longing Has a Name, Dominic Dunn says this, that's what we long for, isn't it? Our truest self is screaming for air, desperate to break through the surface of a shallow, hurried life and breathe deeply of God himself to exhale failure and inhale grace to come alive again. We feel his pleasure when we run in God's purpose and goal for us, and we run together with him toward the goal and the destiny that God has planned for us, we feel and sense his pleasure. Never lose that sense of marveling at Jesus, that wonder of Jesus because he lives in you. Never lose that sense of marveling at Jesus because it leads us to a place of maturing and Jesus, stay focused, keep telling the story, and lastly here, enjoy the transformation. Enjoy the transformation. Paul said, though I'm absent in body from you, I'm present with you in spirit, and in chapter 2, verse 5, he goes on to say, I delight to see how disciplined or orderly you are, and how firm your faith in Christ is. The words disciplined and orderly and firm are all military terms. And they're emphasizing the, the order and the discipline of the troops in a particular military operation. They don't, don't all do the same thing. They all have their roles to fill, their places to be, their jobs to do, but they're a, a team and they work together so that as one, they come together to defeat the enemy. They stay focused on the strength of soldiers together doing battle to take the enemy out. Paul said it, 2 Timothy 4, I fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Marveling at Jesus brings us to this place of maturing in Jesus. There comes this visible order, discipline, and firmness, and stability to our lives. And even in the face of hard stuff, 
hard things, hard times in life, our faith is able to take us through to a place of of continuing the process of maturing in Christ as he desires to give each one of us a place of maturing in Christ. Marveling at Jesus, never losing sight of that sense of wonder of Jesus Christ living in you brings us and leads us to this place of maturing in Jesus. Let me tell you a story and introduce you to our great niece, Rachel Maxwell. I have permission to tell this story from Rachel. Rachel graduated college from Murray State University, and life was good. On her graduation day, her boyfriend proposed to her. Life was good. They got married, moved to the East Coast. Life was good. They started a family, had their first child, Hayden. Life was good, it seemed, on the surface. But in Rachel's own words, she was empty, struggling to find herself. When Hayden, her son, was about a year old, Rachel had already been introduced to some drugs, and when he was a year of age, she started using drugs heavily. And as a result, she lost her marriage and her child. She felt shame, she felt guilt, and she didn't know about the healing power of God that was available to her at that time. So she continued in and out of drugs. And in her own description of her life, she said, I became an empty shell of a person. She was jailed in 2017 and 18 on felony drug charges. In 19, she went into a jail where there was a chapel service held, and it was in that chapel service that she said, I encountered God. I met the Lord. And in that jail, there was scripture on the wall. Scriptures all over the wall. She read them, and she got a Bible, and she began to read her Bible. And the last jail she was in, her bunk, her bed, faced a window that looked out across the courtyard to the chapel of the jail. And in that chapel, there was a stained glass window that had a, it was a a picture, pictorial representation of Jesus by a stream. And she said, I I would just lie there in my bed and I would look at Jesus and I I would talk to him as a friend. She would say, Jesus, how was your day? Who did you talk to today? Who talked with you today? What did you do today, Jesus? This is what my day looked like, Jesus. And she just had this friendship relationship that developed with Jesus. And while there, she heard about this place in Louisville, Kentucky called 
the healing place. And she just had this sense that if I can get to the healing place, I believe that I will get well and I'll be healed. Well, there was a day to come on this particular day that she had this encounter with the Lord that she said, I can't explain it. But I knew out of that experience, I knew I was leaving this place that day. Later on, a guard came in and said, Maxwell, get your stuff. You're leaving today. She put everything she owned on God's earth in one trash bag. Took her out the door to head to the bus to go to, you guessed it, the healing place. But before she left that facility, she asked the guard, can I look back? I just want to pause a moment. He said, sure. She said, sure. She looked back at the building. She said, I never want to forget it because I never want to come back here. She looked back at at the building and it was gently raining that day and the rain as she looked up was hitting her in her in her face and it was washing down over her and it was though she said as though God was washing me clean and I could hear the birds singing and God was saying to me it's a brand new day for you Rachel a brand new starting point in life for you Rachel got on the bus And she arrived at the healing place. And she had this sense of being free. She got involved in the AA and Celebrate Recovery. And I want to tell you, today she's been dry and sober since 2019. She has a job at a urology group. She has a car and an apartment. And she now sponsors several women who are on similar journeys. And after 10 years of being separated from her son, Hayden, just this past Christmas, they were reunited. And we have a picture of them right there. Praise God. Praise God. That's what God can do in a person's life. You see, when she talks about Jesus now, she gets all giddy. She has a childlike joy. She just wants to clap her hands and jump up and down because Rachel has met the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that's transformed her life. She's enjoying the transformation that we have the privilege of experience as we stay focused, keep telling the story. We can enjoy the transformation. We can enjoy the transformation. She plans to get her master's degree in counseling and mental health. She says this, when I help people, my spirit comes alive. Listen, what God did for Rachel, what God did for Rachel, he can do for you. What he's done for Rachel and thousands of others, he can do for you. He can bring you to this place of marveling at Jesus, which leads you to a place of maturing in Jesus. Christ's indwelling presence functions like a a new engine, a new motor in an old car. Brings you to this place where there's new power, there's new ability, there's new strength, getting rubber in all three gears. I'm telling you, there's something new that can be placed into your life, and his name is Jesus. 
and he brings newness to you, a new start, and he speaks identity over you as a son or daughter of Christ. He speaks goodness over you. You're forgiven. He speaks knowledge over you. You're wanted. He speaks self-control over you. You're free. He speaks perseverance over you. You are able, and he speaks love over you. You are mine. You are my child. Let no one tell you differently. Marveling at Jesus leads you to a place of maturing in Jesus. Stay focused. Keep telling the story. And you too can enjoy the transformation that only Christ can bring. Would you pray with me? God, we're grateful for your presence in this place and for what you do in our lives and through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name that you'll bring us to a place of marveling at you, which leads us to a place of maturing in Christ. We pray, God, that we'll not only rejoice and celebrate our own salvation, but we'll commit ourselves to the salvation of all those around us who do not know Christ. We pray this prayer now in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.